What is the meaning of Christmas? It almost, it almost sounds cliche or like I'm about to tell a joke. But when you think about it, if you ask a lot of people out in the world today who will be celebrating Christmas tonight and tomorrow, what's the meaning of it all? You get an awful lot of answers from different people about what Christmas is all about. Certainly our little children, a lot of them would say, well, that's the day when Santa Claus comes. And of course, that's very true. And we say, yes, that is part of Christmas. Santa does come tonight. But that's not, we all know what Christmas is all about. And we always try to teach our children, no, Christmas is about the birth of Christ, that Jesus was born. We're celebrating Jesus' birthday. And that's true. However, if you notice, there's something very different about our celebration of Jesus' birthday from our own. When we have a birthday party at home, we'd have balloons and streamers and happy birthday banners and bring out a cake. And notice we don't do anything like that here at Mass because we're celebrating something more than just Jesus' birthday. In fact, we have to ask, why do we need to celebrate Jesus' birthday in a special way? I mean, everybody has a birthday, so why is his day any special? Well, of course, it's because of who Jesus was and who Jesus is that we're not just celebrating the birth of a great man, like when we celebrate Washington's birthday or Lincoln's birthday or something like that. No, we're celebrating the birth of God himself, that God himself, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became a man and dwelt in our world. So we're really talking about more than just Jesus' birthday, but we're celebrating the feast of the incarnation, of the enfleshment, as the word means, of God himself becoming a man, living in our human nature. And that's what we're truly celebrating at Christmas, that God is with us, as the name Emmanuel means. God has come into our world. But why is that important? Why do we celebrate the fact that God has become a human being and dwelt in our world? It's because of what he did for us, that by coming into the world, he offered the sacrifice that you and I could not do for ourselves for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we celebrate the beginning of our redemption, that God took on our human nature so that as God, he could take our human nature to the cross and pay the price for our sins there, die and rise from the dead. And so we literally would say that Jesus was born to die. The very purpose of the wood of the manger was the wood of the cross. He came into the world to offer the sacrifice you and I needed to offer for our sins but couldn't do, that only he could do. And he did it with tremendous love for us. And why did God decide to enter our world to offer the sacrifice for our sins, to reward us? Because we had finally turned back to him and said, okay, now that you're listening to me and doing everything I told you, now I will come into the world and reward you by offering the sacrifice? Quite the contrary. No, because in his pity for us, we had gone so far away from him that we didn't even know who he was anymore. And sin was abounding. And the more, of course, sin is a complete obstacle to God and the destruction of everything that God has wanted us to have. I like to think of it as if you have a beautiful masterpiece, a painting by one of the greatest of artists, and somebody has taken a whole bunch of black paint and thrown it all over the painting and ruined the beauty of what was there. And of course, we want to get rid of the paint. We can't see the masterpiece as long as that black paint is there. Well, we can't see the masterpiece of who we are and what our world is meant to be as long as there is sin in it. And so the Lord came to remove our sin. 
Remember, as our Savior, He came not to save us from poverty, not to save us from lack of popularity or from lack of health or anything like that. He came to save us from our sins, the sins which are ruining our world, which had started with Adam and Eve and continued down to our own day. And so, the next question then is, well, why is overcoming sin and getting rid of sin so important? Well, just look around you. Just look at the news and read the newspapers every day. I don't think I'd find a single person today who would say, you know, the world is really going in the right direction. Everything is wonderful today. Everybody's getting along. Everybody's doing everything just the right way. It's wonderful. We have brotherhood. We have everybody taking care of each other. We have peace on earth. Quite the contrary, and we all know that very well. And the problem is, in recent years, the problem is getting increasingly worse because people are more and more deciding we don't need God. We can do it on our own. We don't need to listen to the rules of God that he gives us in the scriptures through the church and all that. We don't have to be oppressed by God's laws as some people like to see it. No, we're man. We can decide for ourselves. We can follow what's in our mind and our heart and decide if I think it's right, it's right. And if I feel it's wrong, it's wrong. And I can go after the desires of my own heart and not have to listen to anyone else tell me what to believe and what to do. I'm perfectly free. Actually, that's original sin all over again. That's exactly what Adam and Eve were forbidden by God to do. He told them not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, listen to me and not to yourself. I am God and you are not. I cannot be wrong. You can. I cannot be deceived. You can. Your heart is not finite, neither is your mind. Just because it's in your mind or your heart doesn't make it the truth. I am the source of truth, not you. So listen to me and everything will be fine. But of course, Adam and Eve gave into the temptation of Satan who tricked them into believing that no, God was lying to them, telling them that because he wanted to keep control over them, that telling them they can't reach out on their own because by listening to him, then he could manipulate them like puppets and they would be forever under his control and know that it would really be better for them if they freed themselves from the power of God and decided to follow their own mind and their own heart. And do we not see an awful lot of that going on in the world today? Adam and Eve found out right away how wrong they were. They had messed up everything. Unfortunately, you and I, we're doing the same thing. The more the world goes away from God, the worse things get, and yet the more we still look to ourselves, to human beings, to make the difference in the world. And maybe we'll finally have wisdom when we say, you know what, we've been trying. For how many millennia have we been trying to do things on our own? And even in our own time, we're noticing as more and more people turn away from God and decide not to worship Him and follow Him, the world is only getting worse. Rather, maybe we could be wise today on this day of Christmas joy and say, you know what? Maybe it's time to realize once again that we need God that we can't do it on our own, that we don't know wisdom, we don't know truth. Just because I think it in my mind or feel it in my heart, that doesn't make it true because I can be wrong. But God, who is all truth, dwelt in our world and came among us to show us the way back to him. And when we start listening to him and following him and doing what he told us to do, we'll have a better world. Could you imagine if the world today, if everyone on earth were trying to be, to live just as Jesus did, to love other people the way he did, 
all of the anger and the vitriol and the screaming and yelling and the people who are talking about peace and respect for other people who are anything but peaceful and respectful to others, how we're living such a charade that things are getting worse and worse the more people complaining about inequalities and wanting the world to be right again. And we keep looking to politicians and sociologists and all sorts of other groups to bring the changes we want. And maybe we need to realize that the changes we want, the better world, is not going to come from government. It's not going to come from sociology. It's not going to come from psychologists. It's not going to come from any other source but God himself. God who is all wisdom, all goodness, all beauty, all truth, who came to dwell in our world to teach us the way back to him, to call us into union with him, and bring us the dignity that we lost by original sin, and in fact, uh, even more than that. Adam and Eve lost paradise when they committed original sin, but the Lord is calling us to a union with him. In the incarnation, we speak of the wonderful divine exchange, that God became man so that man could become God. He took on our nature so we could take on his. He humbled himself so as to exalt us, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we had done nothing to have the Lord say, now I will reward you. In fact, it was when we had completely abandoned him that in his love for us, he said, I'm coming down to you to show you the way back to me. And what he desires to do is call us to nothing less than total union with him. Ultimately, when we think about it in his kingdom, that we will be, in fact, as much a part of God as we possibly can. God himself became a human being, dwelt in our world, became an infant, gave himself into the care of a mother and father. And when you look at the facts of the story, Mary and Joseph were probably only two teenagers. So God himself placed himself under the care and in the trust of two teenagers to raise him and teach him until he became a man, and then he could teach us the way to God. And he took on, the only thing in our nature he could not take on was sin. He could not take on sin because he's God, but he even gave the appearance of being a sinner. When he was baptized by John, he made everybody think he was a sinner like the rest of us. He took on our nature as completely as possible so that we can take on his nature as completely as possible. That he is calling us, he wants to absorb us into his divinity. That you and I are not going to be actually other members of the Trinity. The Trinity can't become four and five people or anything like that. But we'll come as close to that as we possibly can. And then if we reflect that God now who has a human body that after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is now seated on his throne again with a human body, you and I are there with him. How? Every time we come to Mass and receive Holy Communion. Not only are we with Christ on the cross that our sins are forgiven, that's why how the Eucharist becomes our sacrifice, that Jesus offered the sacrifice once for all for our sins when he died on the cross, but now gives us his body and blood as food, even under the form of bread and wine, so it would be something that we could easily eat, so that this way we would take his flesh and body and blood into ourselves, we would be made of him, and now become one with God, part of Jesus' physical body. And we are now physically part of that body, already sitting on his throne in heaven. 
And that is the promise that you and I are preparing for, that when we die, our souls will go and sit with the Lord on his throne in his kingdom, awaiting the last day when even our bodies will rise from the dead and we'll have all of our perfection back. And when we think about that, what God has prepared for us, wow, does that change everything. I think our image of heaven, of going to heaven, is a bunch of people sitting on clouds with wings playing harps. And often we think of, you know, we say that, oh, so-and-so is gone because God needed another angel in heaven. Well, no, we don't become angels in heaven. We become part of God, and the angels are serving us in heaven. My friends, do we realize what God has given us, the glory to which he is calling each and every one of us, even though we have sinned and turned away from him over and over again. He continually calls out to us and says, come back to me, follow me, and if you do things my way, the world will be what it's meant to be. Let today, the day of Christmas joy, be the day that we say, you know, Lord, I think it's time we listen to you. Give God a chance. What do we have to lose? We've given politicians and other people chance after chance after chance, and they make a lot of promises, and we believe in them, and we vote in them, vote for them, and they fail us, and we vote for someone else, and they fail us, and the pattern continues throughout the course of time, and yet we still wait for politics to make the difference. The difference will come not from the government, but from you and me. The difference in the world will be when you and I learn to follow Jesus completely, to live life the way he has created us to be. Because when we do that, then we learn why the Lord created us. None of us is here by accident. Each and every one of us is here on this earth at this time because God has willed us into existence. And he is showing his face to the world through you and me in a way he has never done before and never will again. You are the only person just like you God has ever created and ever will. And you are unique creation in his image and likeness. That means you have a way to show God to the world that only you can do. And when we understand that, wow, that gives us dignity. That helps us understand the meaning of our life, why we're here. We never have to question what's it all about, what's the meaning of life. The meaning of life is to be the person God created us to be, but to be the best we can be. And when we do that, it changes our life. We naturally change the lives of people around us. And when they see us better off because we are following the Lord faithfully, and have a joy that nothing in the world can bring, hopefully they will want the same thing. And especially if we reach out to them and call them to the same thing we find in the Lord, and the more and more that people live their life the way Christ intends and God created them to be, the better our world will be. My brothers and sisters, you and I are the instruments of change. God is the way to change the world, and you and I need only to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I will do it. Sadly, lots of people sometimes say, well, yeah, they like the sound of the gospel and everything, but they say, you know, that would be nice in a different world. They see the gospel and the call to holiness, you know, the teachings of the church as pie in the sky. Well, would be nice in another existence, but we just don't have that. Well, not following the gospel because the world is not perfect is like being lost and having a GPS, but not using the GPS because you're lost. That's precisely the way to bring us out of the madness and the chaos of this world is to follow the Lord and do things his way. And remember, God took on our nature so we could take on his. 
My brothers and sisters, especially those of you with children, I'm sure you went to great lengths to, fi to find the, everything your children were looking for and had on their Christmas wish list. And you know, with supply uh, limitations today, sometimes we went to great extent to find that toy or whatever it was that they were looking for. You've given your children and you'll give each other wonderful gifts for Christmas. Give your children, give yourselves the greatest gift you can give yourself, the gift which was the greatest gift you and I ever received, the gift of Christ himself, of God made man. Give your children the gift of a regular relationship with Christ and give yourselves that gift. Bring them faithfully to worship him every Sunday because that's why we come here. We come here to be united with Christ, to have our sins forgiven, have the black stain removed, and be able to see the masterpiece that each and every one of us is. And when we see that, our world is completely different. Give yourself, give your children the gift of Christ. If you give yourselves that gift, you will be giving yourselves the greatest Christmas gift you can ever receive of God with us each and every day of our lives. He has come to show us the way to change the world, to end the chaos and the madness that we're seeing out there, to show us the way back to truth, back to holiness, back to restoring the world to the beauty of the masterpiece he created by removing the sin and giving us once again the life that we desire. And we can have it as long as we simply turn to Christ and say yes to him. Open your mouth and let him fill you in the Eucharist. Open your heart and let him fill his, your heart with him and let him transform you and make you holy and give you his peace, the peace that only he can bring. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.